that walk, that walk, that walk. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, rolling. This is Walk and Roll Live. This is Walk and Roll Live. A podcast dedicated to the disabled community, sharing stories of courage and triumph, joy and discovery, and everyday successes and challenges. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Vincent and Eric Aguilar. Welcome back to another week of Walk and Roll Live. Hello, I am Doug Vincent and Eric Aguilar back out learning again. I think he's going to another seminar or something. That guy can't get enough. But with him out today, I've invited Forrest Kelly to come and join us again. Last time was an audition. Now you're here for, for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm available. So, you know, I've got an open, open that, in my calendar. Got the big A over your head. Uh, well, well, let's start off with I'm a polio survivor, crutch user for years, transitioned into a wheelchair user over the last 20 years. And uh, Forrest? I've uh, got a... Uh, a weakness for spam. I think that's that's that my it? my problem today. All right, yeah, I'm gonna go fry some up as soon as we're done here. Well, there's more in your future because uh, you know you're getting to that age where <laughs> they're gonna start hitting you all at once, probably. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm gonna go have some blood work done uh, tomorrow. Oh, you too. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Yep. Gonna, I'm uh, gonna get, get some blood work bubbles. tomorrow. Well, we can. We'll have some notes to compare down the road. Uh, yeah, it's 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 been typically good. I get it once a year. Uh, as a matter of fact, I went yesterday to get uh, my annual echocardiogram because I, I have a, I have a hypotrophic cardiomyopathy, and so I go in every six months for a checkup, and then once a year I do blood work and get the echo, and we check everything out. So. Yeah. I'm just doing the blood work for just vitamins, not because I know my cholesterol. I, I watch that and monitor. Yeah. You know, try not to eat a block of cheese a month, so right, right. that's good. So I just want to get vitamins. You, you're doing this for yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you ordered your own blood test. I'll, I'll go into the uh, into the doc and they'll do the vial, and then I gotta you know go go to uh, actually I'll probably go to a different place, a phlebotomist and offsite. Very nice. Does insurance? I'm getting. You know, yep. a whole conversation that maybe the listeners don't care about. Is I got it. Yeah, so they cover that. Uh-huh. Even if it's something you request for yourself. Well, it's it's a uh, yearly deal. I think you know, I think I can do it twice a year. Oh, yeah. So you go through the doctor and he orders it. But you tell yep. him what you want to order? Or? Uh-huh. Yep. I tell him I want my testosterone levels checked. <laughs> all my uh, estrogen levels. I want that checked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I want all my vitamins <laughs> and different things. I'll take care of the rest with my the, diet. Uh, and, the uh, the uh, the uh, Hallmark movies you're weeping a little bit too at, so you want to <laughs> you want to check that out? Oh, that's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, and because uh, I'm like Dick Vermeil, the uh, old cold shoe, the Rams. You know, I'm a I'm, I get weepy pretty easy. D- don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you had your uh, birthday party. Uh, what was it on Sunday? Yeah, yeah, for the, the little birthday party, and I imagine yeah. you shed a tear or two. Y- you know, I am funny. In that, well, you know that. <laughs> I I don't I don't really seem to get weepy at the things that you think that you would get weepy for. Does that well, make first sense? Of all, you think you're funny. <laughs> yeah, <there's> that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a joke that we that's tell an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> yeah, that's been going on for years. Yeah. <laughs> Doug met somebody one time. You think you're funny? It's like, well, let me you know, correct you there, man. And, th- and this is, you know, after I'd been in radio for 20, 25 years, and it's like, uh, you know, I mean, not that I'm a big comedian or anything, but, you know, my wit has served me fairly well in a career that kind of looks for that, you know, so. Yeah, you can look at something and, and come at an angle that will make somebody chuckle. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, the, the cutting of the cake or opening the birthday gifts didn't didn't make you uh, tear up a little? No, no, it was great to watch. You know what's, you know what's great is that, she's five, right? She just turned five. So if you do the math, she's of a, at this young age and a generation of all her peers and her went through COVID and had a very similar experience. Wow. You know, so she yeah. was born. Uh, when did, when did COVID start? It was like the beginning of 20, right? March or so of, of 2020. Uh-huh. Right. So she was born in early uh, 2019. So, She's just a little girl, little baby, just, you know, wasn't going out a whole lot, not interacting 
with other kids anyway, but about the time she would have started getting into that more, then COVID hit. So, you know, we were in our own little bubble between me, grandma, her, um, and, you know, her folks. You know, she kind of went through those three households, and that's it's the only place she went. She never saw any other people or kids or anything. And, you know, so so then their first real interaction, not, not, not first, but um, of any real serious type in a, in a, in a multiple of kids was going to what they call now uh, parents of this age, I guess can, they understand this, but there's like a something before what they call pre-K. I can't remember what the name of that is. So they go through something, then they go through pre-K, then you get into kindergarten. So she was just in pre-K. But this other thing, it, it was like a half a day, twice a week for four weeks or something. It was like over before it started. Uh, but, but so now to see these kids and, and interacting with one another, you know, they seem to do it very well. You know what I mean? You, you would think that kind of be behind the curve socializing and maybe they wouldn't get along and not share with their toys and all that stuff. Well, but yeah, just to see them they oh, they're wonderful, wonderful with each other. You know, because she, invited everybody from her classes. They said there was 25 invitations went out and a lot of the kids came and, and, um, you know, so they're running up to each other and hugging and it's, Oh man, I, I love that. Yeah. Oh, it's a special event too. So, you yeah. know, you're at the age too, where you can sit back and, and admire your granddaughter and then your daughter and just knowing your daughter, obviously all your life, you, you know what's going to trigger her with different things in this big environment and all this frenetic energy that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's overload, you know, especially for, for my, my granddaughter, just, it's just sensory overload. Just, and that's one of the, a real test, you know, when, when you haven't had all these sensory things over the course of your life, you know, and then you go come to something like this, just, and then she's opening all the presents. And this is the first time, I think we had a birthday party when she was a year old and my daughter, she's just not really into, you know, big parties like this. And, and so we have little family things and that's it. So for a, an entire, you know, group and we're at the park, you know, we got one of those reserved enclosures or covers. Oh, the and, yeah. And there's, you know, so there's, I don't know how many kids came, had to be closing in 15, 20. And then the parents come and stay and, you know, so there's a big crowd of people and they're all singing for her. And then oh, she's opening all these presents. And, you know, it's like I, I haven't had a chance really to get into it with my daughter yet to see how she was like that evening and everything. But if you, know, at, at five years old, can you see some person, Doug personalities coming out in her? Um, she, she's, she's got her own personality. Well, she does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've had any influence much, but uh, she definitely has her, her own personality, you know, that's, not really necessarily from her mom or, you know, her dad or grandma or, or whoever. It's just like, the, it's uniquely hers. She's, she's sharp. And one of the things is she can, she, you know, at this young age, which is terrifying, she really reads people well. She knows what your buttons are. She's not afraid to push them. Wow. And you don't want to show her, you know, you do your best not to show her what your weakness is. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it'll be interesting to see if you can still take some punches. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Holy mackerel. We talked, I was headed to uh, Laughlin for uh, a little celebration. Yeah, how'd that uh, go? Yeah, it went, to, it went pretty good, just to be, to be clear, if those of you listening uh, outside the area of Southern California, uh, Laughlin is kind of uh, Las Vegas light. It's, uh, it's for the older crowd, and... Uh, so everybody is, it's pretty low key, very, very low key. But um, I got down to the airport in Palm Springs whenever I rent a car. Um, I always go to Palm Springs, which is because the, being at an airport location, you get a variety of uh, different vehicles. And um, especially if they, you know, I always, always rent bottom of the line. And then if they upgrade you, they have to do it free because they're out of the economy cars. So I always take that chance, roll the dice. And so, the gal asked me, would you like to upgrade? And I said, well, what do you got? And uh, she said, well, I'm kind of thin. Don't have a, and I said, nothing electric. Because 
I didn't. I was going to get electric, but then I thought after reading some reviews that oh yeah, it's going to when you return the car, you know, all the uh, your enthusiasm for the planned trip is gone. So you just want to get the car returned and get the hell out of there, right? Well, the electric car, you've got to go to a charging station and charge it fully back up and then, you know, check it back in, which... So another know, what, hour, hour and a half of your time, yeah. Right, yeah, and then you got to get to the location or whatever. But anyway, so I said, she says, well, I've, I've got a Maserati. Huh? I said, excuse me? <laughs> I, I said, and she said, the price of how much of it? And I said, well, that's nothing. I'll take it. So... That uh, that kind of set the tone for the trip, and we had a uh, great time. Uh, did all right. Uh, probably broke even on gambling, but uh, did get a chance to check out some pink box donuts. I don't know if you've uh, no. ever had pink box. That's kind of a Nevada selected area uh, location. It's the whole place is pink, but they've got one of their staples is uh, a poop emoji donut. And it looks just like the emoji. <laughs> and and they've got some other uh, selected How's it taste? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it like one of those jelly beans where they <laughs> taste like armpit or something like that? Uh, oh, man. I didn't get one of those. I just got a maple bar. I know it didn't boring. really. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Didn't really jive with the Maserati attitude I was bringing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, one of the, the gal that uh, was there, she was probably sixty-six. I think she told me she was working behind the counter. And I said, "What do you think of all this?" Because the whole thing is pink. Everything is pink, pink, pink. Their outfits are pink. The uh, it's, it's just in your face, pink. And that's uh, the brand. Yeah, that's the brand. And uh, she said, "Well." Because up on the front, it says OG. That, the maple bar just wasn't a maple bar. It was OG maple bar. And then OG chocolate donut. And I said, do you know what OG stands for? And she goes, no. And I said, how long have you been working here? She said, a year. I said, well, you don't know what OG stands for? And then the, the uh, gal that was helping her, was she was like 18. I said, why haven't you told her what OG stands for? I didn't want to tell her, though. Because I didn't, because then I would feel old. <laughs> when that funny if the eighteen-year-old said, "I don't know what it means either." Yeah, that's impossible. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> old guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> old guy. <laughs> if, well, in in a as manner of speaking, yes, that's exactly what it means. Yeah. What's what song is it? So, what is that from? Oh God, probably more than one, but yeah. Uh, Rap song. It's Dr. Dre or somebody. Yeah. With, uh, he's got a. Well, here, let's test this old guy. Or it's, yeah, original gangster. What's. Oh, I was just going to say, I was going to try that. Uh, yeah, we're. T- Savannah, my daughter's looking you it got up. Got your staff right working there. on it? Yeah, exactly. The intern. <laughs> the intern. I paid intern on the big staff of Walk and Roll Live. <laughs> so the break it even, that's a win in my book. That's uh, Congratulations. Oh, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> oh, this just in. I, just, I got the answer, yeah. Snoop so, Dogg. So Snoop Dogg did yeah. OG. That, there's a song called OG? Is the, what's the song called? Yeah. She thinks we're in church. She's not talking. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll do some research on that. I'll, I'll Google. <laughs> and get back to you never. <laughs> yeah, maybe we like should a, put that out there for Eric. He's uh, yeah, out he probably educated. knew right off the top of his head. Yeah, who's the guest this week? The guest this week. Well, real quick, we got some nice uh, listener input. Can you? I'm not going to read that because it says nice things about me. Oh, well, you want me to read it? I don't know. Give him a flavor. I don't know. What Where you, is it? What do you think? Oh, is it in the script? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All of our listeners just went, they have a script? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what you used to say, my ad lib lines. <laughs> yes. <or are> they... <laughs> and I thought, what? Ad lib? Oh, yeah, those are supposed to come off the top. They're not supposed to be rehearsed. Uh, let's see here. I had it. I think I sent you an update. Yep. 
Hang on, I gotta type this out. Jeez, am I gonna have to edit this week? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Scrolling down. Well, the copy you didn't you sent me did not uh, give a shout out. Are you sure that the, didn't I send you a new one this morning? Uh, this one was uh, as of eleven uh, an hour ago. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, I got right, uh, I got well. everything. I got everything, including don't do this. <laughs> like last it's long, time, it's a long list. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's a, it's actually a friend of mine, uh, but he just wanted to let me know how proud he was of us and uh, and me taking the I guess the initiative to do all of this. Uh, he says everything that you've learned in life coming through in these wonderful podcasts. Better yet, the effort you are putting forth in changing the world for the better. Not everyone has the insight, abilities, and technical skills to pull this off as you do. So I, I, th- I thought that was very nice of him to say. Oh, and, wow. I, and I got three or four other, you know, uh, emails, which was nice. And, and I, uh, you're going to mention just uh, mention his name, uh, not off, uh, not on on microphone, but uh, he knows who he is. And so, I think so. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And thanks for taking the time to put that out because absolutely, absolutely, you know, it, it helps. And you know, you try to do hard work because those who will notice will notice, and he noticed, so that's good. You know, and and I will say, love to hear that. Obviously, anybody would, but uh, you know, if you have any other comments about the show that aren't even that pleasant, that that's fine too. You know, it's a process, and hey, what's going on? It's a process, and I want to learn. You know, and make this better. Uh, for everybody involved. Um, and also that brings me to, if you'd like to be on the email list where we send out a notification, we don't get crazy and send you something every five minutes uh, like my, my dentist does, but uh, <laughs> that's another story. But uh, <laughs> we will, we just send out uh, a link to the show that we drop every Tuesday. So if you want to get on that list, just send us an email to warlive, W-A-R-L-I-V-E at walk and roll live.com all right yeah that's it's much appreciated too because if the email list grows the show will grow and then in turn you know some free swag will come down the pipe and you know then we can help others as well and and i'm learning as you go through this process of putting on a podcast that there are certain thresholds that you have to meet to do like live broadcasts and different things so if we can get to that then that helps too so if you go to um, where, wherever you listen, whether it be Spotify or any of the others, iTunes and Amazon Music and Samsung Podcasts everywhere, YouTube, we have a YouTube channel as well. You know, if you could subscribe or what, what's, what does iTunes use, Forrest? Uh, Apple. It's Apple, Apple uh, Podcast. Um, it's follow. Follow. Just up at the top right corner, just a little plus sign and then uh, follow. And then that will kick into the algorithm into Apple. And then on searches, when you search for podcasts, if you get enough of those followers, then it'll come up higher on there. Because um, like Doug was talking about uh, doing a live uh, podcast, are you going to mention what's coming up next month? We Yes, absolutely. I think we're going to do that in the close of the show. Oh, so stick around for that. Right now, I'm going to let you know that today's guest, great, is uh, Bob Babbitt. He is one of the founders of the Challenge Athletes Foundation. You've probably heard about that. They are really pioneers and innovators in the disability community uh, where it pertains to athletes and disabled athletes. And it's really grown into something that is even farther reaching. So please stay with us. And we'll be back uh, to hear from Bob right after this from Agyar Professional Training. Introducing Agyar Professional Training, where we believe your greatest asset is your team. Investing in their development, knowledge, and happiness is crucial for the success and growth of your business. To reach new heights, you need to hire smart, talented individuals and empower them to work in their areas of strength and passion. At Agyar Professional Training, we're dedicated to helping your employees become happier, more productive, and fulfilled because when your team thrives, your business thrives. We can help your workplace work better. 
We offer customized workshops and one-on-one coaching to help teams and leaders build trust and have better communication. We also offer strategic planning sessions, among other services. Elevate your team with Ugyar Professional Training. And back to Walk and Roll Live. Thank you for joining us. And today's guest is Bob Babbitt. Uh, he is one of the principal founders of Challenge Athletes Foundation. And we appreciate you very much for spending some time with us, Bob. Thank you, Doug. Pleasure to be here. So as we do on uh, on uh, Walk and Roll Live all the time when we have a guest, uh, we want to definitely hear all about CAF and everything, but but uh, want to get a little background on our guests so we get a little context as to, you know, how this whole thing started. So uh, are you from California? From Chicago originally, uh, moved to San Diego in 1978, got tired of, you know, I think we had three weeks of 60 below weather in Chicago and I'm like, I am out of here. Yeah. yeah. I've been working at a residential treatment center, working with emotionally disturbed kids uh, near the Wisconsin, Illinois border. And I came out to the West coast and interviewed with uh, residential treatment centers up and down the West Coast. And then there was a a little private school called the Children's School here in San Diego that was looking for a a PE teacher. And it was a a little little interesting when they gave me a tour of the school. I'm like, okay, I'm a PE teacher. Where's the gym? We don't have a gym. Uh, What are you doing when it rains? It doesn't rain. Okay. (laughs) Chicago to San Diego was a weird transition that way, but I, I, I loved it. My goal became... I want to see how many days a year I can spend in shorts and not only wear long pants when I have to. And that that's been sort of my, my ultimate goal ever since. So I'm pretty much 365 days a year, right? So unless I've got meetings or something, <laughs> oh, that I yeah. have to wear long pants to, or some <laughs> television appearances or stuff like that. Now I'm shorts is shorts is go to. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that sounds like uh, maybe like a little school that I went to up until the fourth grade, we we got my brother and I. We got transitioned into public school at the fifth grade, but it was uh, basically kind of like a two room schoolhouse, yep. you know. And on either side, so you had K through I think fifth on one side, and then six through seniors on the other side. Yeah, it was set up uh, like the little red schoolhouse uh, setup. So you had learning centers in the rooms, and you, know, you had you had preschool and, and, you know, first grade and you, you, all the different grades. And then I was a PE teacher. There was an art teacher and the principal. And uh, it was, it was wonderful. It gave me the freedom to create whatever I wanted to do. We created yeah. obstacle courses. And back then the new games book had just come out and we didn't have a gymnasium or playing field. So it was, you had to be creative, which yeah. I love. Yeah. And while I was out here, that's when I ran into this whole endurance sports world, running, triathlon, cycling, mountain biking, and went over to do the Ironman triathlon 1980 uh, when it was only 108 of us. The, the In 78 and 79, the 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike ride, and 26.2-mile run on Oahu, they'd had 15 starters and 12 finishers in both 78 and 79. Wow. An article in Sports Illustrated uh, in 79 uh, about the winner, uh, a guy named Tom Warren, who owned a tavern here in San Diego. And that that really piqued my interest and my roommate, a guy named Ned Overend, who went on to become world mountain bike champion, but mountain bikes hadn't been invented yet. So he was a mechanic at San Diego Suzuki. And I was a PE teacher. And we read about this silly thing called the Ironman and ended up going over in 1980. And it changed my life, going over there and, and doing something. I thought it was, I actually had uh, bought a bike at a police auction for 75 bucks. The whole back end of the bike had been burned in a fire. Had pannier sleeping bag and tent on the bike because we knew so little about this thing. We thought yeah. you swam 2.4 miles, rode 56, point, 56 miles, camped out, and then rode back the next day and ran the marathon. And So you, know, you just of, couldn't believe that they would do it all in one day. One day. day. <laughs> it's the silliest thing I ever heard of. Crazy. <laughs> but then when I finished it, you know, I had – my, you had a support crew. No roads were blocked off. My crew gave me a Big Mac fries and a Coke at mile 25 of the bike. Got a root pier snow cone at mile 90. Full half hour massage between the bike and the run. Yeah, they, they, we, it was, it was really, we were all sort of guinea pigs for this new sport. They actually had scales throughout the bike and the run course. So if you lost 10% of your body weight, they felt you were in danger and they pulled you out of the race. 
And we didn't know what to eat or drink back then. So I was eating Hawaiian sweetbread and drinking Gatorade. And it was a point during a run where I got up on the scale and I could hear the guy on a walkie talkie going, hey, can you give me that again? The guy's gained five pounds. You can't gain weight doing this thing. So, uh, but when I finished this thing and I had no idea that I could finish it. So, you know, my crew is behind me at mile 23 or so of the, of the run. Hey, Bob, real quick. So just for a little context, you know, you were saying how, how many people were in it those early years? So, so what is it now? Oh, there's thousands. Of you Trying to get into Ironman Hawaii, well, just to give you an idea, we had yeah. a, a CAF event the other night, and a spot in the Ironman went for $70,000, and we, we actually got Ironman to give us a second one. So we had two spots, and we raised $140,000, $70,000 each. And back in the day, we actually, one year at our gala in New York for CAF, we had a spot and the bidding got up to $160,000 for wow. that spot. We had two bidders, so it became $320,000 for CF. So there are Ironman, I think there's north of 200 branded Ironman events between an, a full Ironman and what they call the half, which that is apparently. a 7.3. Yeah. And those are all over the world. It's become you know an international event that is the most important triathlon in the sport. And then I became sort of the historian of the, of the sport, especially Ironman. I wrote the 25th anniversary book, the 30th anniversary book, and the 40th anniversary book of Ironman. And really, Ironman is how we ended up starting CAF. That was the whole connection because <laughs> what happened in- well, well, we, in 19- we don't want to get ahead of ourselves okay, here. Yeah. I definitely want to get to that. that that's okay. one of those moments that we sure. definitely want to spend some time on. Is So it, it, do they cap it off or-, or- Oh, yeah. And, and do you have to qualify have with to qualify. some other races? Yeah. You have to qualify at, at other full Ironmans around the world. And there's, you know, they actually have a, a, a category called legacy if you do 12 Ironman races, because it's very difficult to qualify. You have to be really fast. If you do 12, then you qualify to get in, but it might still take a couple more years and you still have to end up doing more Ironmans each year to, con- to continue to, sp- to potentially go to Kona. That's the thing. Yeah. So you, even though you've qualified, doesn't necessarily you have a spot. Well, if you or qualify, you have a spot. You have a but spot. If, okay. you, if you do the legacy program, which means, okay, I've done 12 Ironman. It doesn't matter how fast, but I've done 12. Well, they only, might only have a certain number of legacy spots each year. So you might not get one this year, but that still means you have to do another full. You might have to do 13 or 14. I think people have done up to 15 and 16 Ironmans before they finally get to Kona. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, so uh, backing up just a little bit too, yeah. uh, you know, so with that first time when you went out and were you a runner or a, a cyclist before that? I mean, you, you don't really, just show up for that. You got to do some training. Well, yeah, I, I was more of a runner. I'd run actually, you know, to be honest, that was, I think I ran, maybe I ran one marathon before that, but you know, we were pretty much flying blind. I mean, certainly I'd never done a hundred mile bike ride. I had, you know, like I had a Radio Shack radio mounted on the handlebars. I had a flat proof rubber tires, um, you know, long sleeve cotton jersey, beige shorts with a belt. We, we were pretty much flying blind. State of the art technology. No, you know, this was 112 mile bike ride. I didn't, I'd never swam 2.4 miles, ridden 112 and and then run a marathon on the same day. Nowadays, people know exactly how many calories it take an hour. They know what their wattage should be, their heart rate. We we had none of that. We were yeah. just sort of, you know, we we're we we're, were idiots. Well, eating the Hawaiian bread and Gatorade, I think, is testimony to that. Especially now, if you look at the guys today, and you're thinking, you got it easy. I was eating bread, gaining five pounds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my, my favorite part was. As I'm running up Diamond Head with, you know, a couple miles to go, I started thinking, you know, I'm going to finish this thing in one day. This is the coolest thing. My crew's behind me, their little Fiat convertible lighting up the road. And I started thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to finish this thing. There's going to be bands. There's going to be cheerleaders. I can't wait to get to the finish. This is going to be really exciting. I roll down into Kapilani Park, and I see a chalk line across the road and then a light bulb above me. And so I sort of slow down. And I hear this voice out in the darkness. It's like, hey, you. I'm like, yeah. You in the race? Yeah. You're done. That was it. It was like <laughs> one guy doing one-arm push-ups in the park. It was no no announcing, no music, no nothing. But it was it that event, finishing that thing, sort of gave me this business card 
that told me I could do anything, that I could surprise myself. So that led to me leaving, eventually leaving teaching and become the editor for a magazine called Running News that uh, because I was, I was pretty adamant that the sport of triathlon was going to catch on. The, uh, the uh, publisher changed it to running and triathlon news based on 108 idiots who had done this thing in Kona and Oahu. And then um, eventually in 1987, I started a magazine called Competitor Magazine covering running, triathlon, cycling, mountain biking, and was exposed for the first time to, to challenge athletes. And this is long before CEF started. And, and what was really cathartic for me is I met a a guy who was an Olympic trials pole vaulter named Jim Knob, who was going to track practice one day up in Long Beach on his motorcycle, got hit by a car and paralyzed. And Jimmy came back from that to win the Boston Marathon five times, the wheelchair division. And I wanted to put him on the cover of Competitor Magazine. And my staff was like, you can't put a guy in a wheelchair on the cover of your magazine. What are you? Nobody's going to pick the We're free magazine. Who's going to pick up a magazine with with a, a wheelchair guy on the cover? That was the mentality. Oh. But there was something about the stories. When I interviewed runners or cyclists, the runner's story was, yeah, I ran fast. That's not a story. You want something with with people overcoming, people with with stories that are deep that have, have tentacles to them. And so I remember this was the most important moment for me. I was at Jim's house interviewing him for this cover story on competitor. And back then we're talking, they were racing in, in one step ahead of shopping carts. Those were four wheeled wheelchairs, right? <laughs> if you look at the, when you said the photo yeah. on the magazine of a guy in a wheelchair, I'm thinking it can't be the three wheeled tech high tech models that they have today. So that's what it was a four wheel before like a hospital actually, chair or just above a no, hospital chair? No, everyday chair. Yeah, oh. yeah. And he probably, he, he, sure he moderated it a little bit. Or he changed a little bit. But anyway, so I'm at his house and we're, you know, I'm, uh, we're sitting there in his living room and I look down on the floor and there's a nickel on the floor. And my thought is, oh my God, this guy dropped the nickel and he can't bend down and pick it up. He's in a wheelchair. So I go to pick up the nickel and it's glued to the floor. And I'm <laughs> like, I look up and Jimmy's drinking a beer and he says, so Babbitt, you thought the poor cripple couldn't pick up a nickel off the floor? <laughs> he knew exactly. he goes, here's, here's lesson number one. Don't ever underestimate anybody. And, you know, over time, oh. Jimmy has been a walking, talking quote machine. Another line, why walk when you can fly? And I had rehab patients tell me that, hey, we're in rehab and they're, we've been, we're paralyzed. And they're telling us all the things we can't do. Get rid of your pickup truck. You got to get a van with a lift. You've got to get this. You got to get that. You can't do this. Can't do that. And this guy, Bruce Cornell, who was going through, you know, was in rehab, construction accident, says, I'm looking out the window and I see this guy drive up in a 62 Rambler convertible. And he reaches behind himself and grabs a wheelchair, flings it out on the driver's side, jumps out into the chair, rolls in, and it's Jim Knob. And he says, they've been telling you what you can't do. I'm here to tell you what you can do. Awesome. And that, he knew. That, he yeah, knew. that was it. You know, I was like, okay. And then we, he was trying to grow wheelchair racing. And as he told me, he says, Bob, the problem is what, how am I going to grow up in a growing audience? How many people are hoping their children become wheelchair racers? Nobody's hoping for that. Yeah. And so he goes, you know, I'm, I'm trying to grow a sport. And I go to Dwight Stones who covered track and field for NBC. I said, Dwight, how do I, this is sort of a silly sport. It's people in wheelchairs racing. How do I grow it? And he goes, Jimmy, when you're talking about non-mainstream sports, sport columnists understand baseball, football, basketball, to a little degree hockey. They don't understand triathlon, wheelchair sports, everything else they're going to cover once a year. They don't know anything about it. But what they do like is rivalries. They like a black hat and a white hat. And that, if you think about it, over time, that's what happens with a small sport. In our sport, Dave Scott and Mark Allen in triathlon, they didn't like each other. They wanted the prize. Well, people couldn't relate to the sport, but they could relate to two athletes who wanted to kick the other one's ass. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jimmy decided he'd wear the black hat. He'd wear fluorescent pink. He'd wear a Dalmatian outfit, right? And we did a piece for MTV Sports. It's still one of the best pieces out there where he, he, he said some lines like, you know, people say, uh, I tell people all the time, forget about walking. Why walk when you can fly? Just, just embrace the fact we're not, we're not disabled. We're super able, bottom line. And he, just the most motivational guy. And one of the lines he said in that interview in the piece in MTV Sports was, um, uh, 
the person who wins a race is not the person who goes the fastest. It's the person who slows down the least. And that always stuck with me because that goes beyond disability and somebody in a wheelchair. That that relates to any sport that's out there. It's not the person who goes the fastest, the one who can maintain it for the longest time. And anyway, so Jimmy became my guy and I just loved him. Had him on the cover competitor multiple times. We did one cover of him that said, why don't mess around with Jim. And he's in the He's in the driver's seat of his 52 Ford pickup truck, right? So you, you just see this really this guy with Hollywood good looks with his sunglasses on, total badass, but you don't see his legs. You don't see the chair. You see the person. So that that, that all of that led to eventually uh, Challenge Athletes Foundation. Right there, we're going to take a break. We're going to stop, and uh, we'll be back in just a moment, and we'll get into the whole story of how CAF started and what it is and what it's doing for uh, all of our disabled athletes. And, and even more than I think when you came up with the idea for CAF, uh, I think it's it's growing now, right? Into Absolutely. some other areas. Awesome. So we'll be right back and continue our conversation with Bob Babbitt. Hey, so what's a great way to spread awareness that driving high is illegal everywhere? A catchy song, of course. You can run, but you can't drive high. reminder don't drive high if you feel different you drive different brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council thank you for joining us uh, from the Agyar Professional Training Studio we are talking with Bob Babbitt from CAF Challenge Athletes Foundation this week and uh, when we left you uh, you were you teed it up for us uh, Bob very nicely thank you <laughs> you're very welcome yeah so with Jim Kanab was the, was the really the uh, the genesis for me in terms of uh, an intro into challenge athletes and into wheelchair racing specifically. And at one point, actually, again before CF, they had a ba- a bike race in downtown La Jolla called the La Jolla Grand Prix. They had a men's bike race and a women's bike race, and I convinced the race director to allow me to put on a wheelchair criterium in between the women's bike race and the men's bike race. It's still wheels. It was a five k loop. We did preems every, it was a 5K with preems every lap and had Jim Knob and David Bailey and Craig Blanchett. And, you know, when Craig Blanchett won it, he ended up on the Arsenio Hall show. And it was, it was, it was a big deal. Nice, he had really yeah. good prize money. But the important part was I brought in a flatbed truck and put it at one of the corners, one of the fast corners that these guys are going to go around on two wheels and brought in the rehab patients from Sharp and Script Hospital down here in San Diego and set up a, big umbrella and had drinks and food and up there. And a lot of the cyclists were up there comparing, uh, comparing componentry, you know, looking at what people were using for wheels, wheelchairs and and, ra- and racing bikes. It's still racing. And the components, a lot of them are the same. So anyways, one of the athletes I was interviewing, or actually wasn't even an athlete, one of the rehab patients up on top, I'm talking to him. I said, why is it important to watch this wheelchair criterion? He goes, well, it's important because I don't know if I'll ever get there myself, but it's important to know it's there and that it's possible and there's hope. And I was like, you know what? That that was really cool. So flash ahead, um, 1993, the Orange County Performing Arts Center Triathlon up in Orange County. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Jim McLaren, who in 1985 had been hit by a bus when he was on his motorcycle in New York and became an amputee. And as a lower leg amputee, Jimmy ran a 316 marathon and went 1042 at the Ironman, which is where I met him. Went 1042, top 20% of in the race. Everybody knew who he was. He's the Babe Ruth of amputee athletes, traveling the world, sponsored by Budweiser. In 93, in Mission Viejo, he gets hit again. He's earning an amputee. A van goes through a closed intersection. It's the back of his bike, propels him headfirst into a pole, becomes a quad. Well, because of my background of working with challenged athletes through CAF and amputee athletes and wheelchair athletes, uh, myself, a buddy of mine named Rick Kozlowski, who was an event producer, and then another buddy, Jeffrey Essekow, who had worked for the Tinley Company, which sponsored Jimmy, uh, and he was their CFO. So he'd be the money guy, and Rick would be the put on the events, and I'd be sort of the marketing guy. And we decided, okay, we're going to put on a little triathlon in 1994 as a fundraiser for Jimmy 
and raised, hopefully raised $25,000 to buy Jimmy a van with hand controls to give him independence. When I interviewed a lot of wheelchair athletes through competitor, the one thing I'd hear over and over again, when I'd ask, what's the worst part of your new life? It was invariably, here come mom and dad back in my life. I'm 30 years old. I'm independent. Now I'm not. So that was why we decided on a van with hand controls. We raised 49. Thought our job was done. Three amputee women who were friends and really fans of Jimmy, they put a relay team together for the event. And they came to us after the race. And they're like, hey, thank you for what you did for Jimmy. But did you know when you get injured, your health insurance covers a walking around leg or an everyday wheelchair? Nothing to do with sport is covered by insurance because they consider it a quote unquote luxury item, which is the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. So that's when we got our 5013C and decided if someone needed a piece of equipment or training or travel to stay in a game of their life through sport, that CF would be there. And now it's been 30 years. We've raised $159 million. We've sent out 44,000 grants to challenged athletes in all 50 states, 73 countries, and in 105 different sports. Our 105th sport, we sent out grants last year in wheelchair pickleball. That was our 105th sport. But right now we're in the midst of, you know, in in a few weeks, we'll be sending out our grant distribution for 2024. Last year, we sent out 3,996 grants, totaling $7 million. And I think we'll be north of that this year. A little proud of that, are you, Bob? I'm very proud of that. (laughs) I mean, when you see probably one of the most empowering things is when you read through the grants and you see someone wants a wheelchair basketball chair and their yearly income is $12,000 and a chair costs five. It wouldn't even be a glimmer of, well, I'll try to save up for that. It it would never happen. So to be able to provide somebody with something that they can never afford and give them that, that, that the wind in their face, give them competition, give them community. That's the thing we're proudest of. Yeah. And you know, being a part of this community, that's the just typical things that, you know, even on their own might be a little expensive. They're always three and four times more expensive for the disabled Absolutely. person. Yeah. Well, and just, just the, 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 so much of the problem is one, uh, everything has to be custom, right? Yeah. You get a wheelchair, basketball chair, you can use in every, somebody's chair, but if it doesn't fit, it's like wearing sh- shoes or two sizes or three sizes too big. Yeah. Big or small. And then the other big aspect for us was if you're a kid, an amputee, and you're three, four years old, and you want a running prosthetic, the, the prosthetists are going to say, wait until you're 14. Wait till your kid's 14 when they stop growing yeah. so they can get them a, a leg that will fit them, and it'll fit them forever. Well, then you're spending your first 14 years as the last kid picked, right? Yeah. You're not competing with the other kids. The way you feel in your own skin is not good. Plus, all the the you know the, the experience that you're gaining and in- you know, that as a runner, you, you, you know, you know, as you run every day, there's yep. so many things you learn about, you know, breathing Absolutely. even and so many things. Yeah, yeah it's it, and what really hit during COVID, you think about it, uh, we can go out and go for a run or go for a bike ride. But if you're a wheelchair tennis player, wheelchair basketball, sled hockey, all the rinks are closed, all the ba- all the gyms are closed. You're in your apartment by yourself. And now you're not a basketball player. You're a person in a wheelchair. And the depression. So our team did, you know, our amazing team at CF, they're like, we need to do something. One, we need to be in touch with all of our athletes. Two, we're putting together little fit kits with stretch cords and weight balls, and we're sending them to everybody. And we're going to create online videos. How do you practice for wheelchair basketball in your apartment by yourself? You know, what are workouts you can do to be ready when this thing ends? And that, that to me was so important because, you know, that, that spiraling depression can be a big issue. And that's where I think sport comes in and that's where CAF comes in. Yeah. I definitely felt it creeping up on me during COVID. I, you know, never really entered my mind until you start, you know, you know what, and I've said this a few times when I noticed it is when I would have a good day and when I would have a good day, then I would realize, Hey, the last few days haven't been so good. Right. And I didn't really recognize it when I was in it, but it's when I came out of it and looked back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then, you know, that, that to me was one of the most important parts. And the other thing that became a real, I always look at obstacles as opportunities. And so I reached out to a lot of the local television networks here in San Diego and said, listen, nobody can come in studio now to come on and and be a guest. And they, they knew we, we had brought so many different great stories 
And the media loves it when you bring somebody a great story with all the assets. Here's some video. Here's some photos. Here's the athlete. We're bringing it's human story. nature. You know, everybody's right. a little lazy. You bring it to them on a silver platter. I'll take that. <laughs> so my pitch was you're at this point, one, you need good stories. You need positive stories. Two, nobody's coming to the studio anyway, so it doesn't matter if they live in San Diego. So I think we did like 86 interviews with wow. one station in particular here that just loved it. And we loved it. It was great because every day there was a good story. At least once a week, there was a great story of one of our athletes who just received a grant or just – um, you know, just started, just got their first wheelchair basketball chair, or they ran, they were getting ready to run a marathon or just, you know, or they just, uh, uh, they decided that they're going to help a, a fellow challenge athlete do something. So all, all that time making, making lemonade became really important during COVID time. Yeah. So it started with helping athletes get equipment. Right. And what is it uh, going to morphed into now? There's more more programs and services yep. for people that don't want to go to Hawaii and, and swim, you know, all those miles. And <laughs> Well, that's what's so cool is all yeah. the different sports. When I say 105 different sports. We did in Central Park, we did a wheelchair pickleball uh, clinic. And we do with our with our partner, Oser, that, that's from, they're based in Iceland and they make the best running prosthetics in the world. We do a series of running clinics around the country. We do wheelchair basketball uh, and sled hockey and, you know, clinics, camps, paratriathlon camps, all that type of thing. Wheelchair tennis. When you come to what we do, our big weekend that we started for Jim McLaren, that this year is on November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. But it's like a three-ring circus. There'll be wheelchair tennis, wheelchair basketball. Um, there'll be a spinathon. There'll be the, you know, the triathlon, you know, for, for our supporters and for our athletes. And we'll have 150 challenge athletes from all over the world there. It's, it's a very special weekend. One of the things that's really important is, as everybody out there understands is community. You're, you're a little kid who's in a wheelchair or an amputee and you're from, you know, Fargo. You've never seen another amputee or another person in a wheelchair. You come to San Diego in November and there's chairs everywhere and there's legs laying all over the place. And there's mentors for you. And a lot of our, you see a lot of our young women who are now 18, 19 years old, they started coming to CEF to our San Diego Triathlon Challenge when they're six, seven, eight years old. They're best friends forever. Yeah. There's like a uh, dozen to 15 women who are now, you know, number of them going to the Paralympics, number of them have done other amazing, you know, uh, amazing sports, uh, sport accomplishments, climbed Everest. It, it's, it's fascinating to watch. Do you have a question for us? Yeah, Bob, just, you know, doing a little research on, you know, for getting ready for this interview and just going through your massive uh, catalog of accomplishments and things. And, you know, it, it kind of uh, it made me smile because my physical ed teacher in high school was not something that could accomplish what you did uh, just from from the bat. He, he was kind of retired and kind of uh, set in his ways and kind of a Homer Simpson kind of guy, his, his physical ed teacher. But um Anyway, just reading all of the things, then I listened to your interview with Kevin Frost, and then uh, I saw your book on Amazon, you know, uh, what is it, uh, Never a Bad Day? Never a Bad Day, yeah. Yeah, you know, from a great storyteller, and we can we can see that you're a great storyteller by, you're just not giving us details, you're like you're doing what you, the journalist said, you know, you got to give human emotion stories and things, but uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your huge, uh, your busy schedule, because looking at your website, it took me about 20 minutes to go through all of the uh, activities and things, and, and the... <laughs> You know, being able-bodied, the the thing that caught me the most, that made the biggest impression, was the camps and clinics that you put on, and they're free. So yeah. not everybody is going to get, you know, $7 million goes a long ways and changes a lot of people's lives with your grants and things, but not everybody can get a grant. But their life can still be changed by meeting other people in similar situations, like you said about the kid from Fargo. Yep. Um, you know, and all these camps are free, and they're not, you know, you scroll down a little bit, and there's a guy on a surfboard. Oh, yeah. These aren't just mundane sports of just, you know, hitting a ball or something. You're getting out there in, in the ocean. Yep. Adaptive surfing has become really big. And we should know. We should have known by now. Uh, but for 2028, we're hopeful that adaptive surfing will get into the Paralympics. It's already in the Olympics. And with L.A. being the, 20, the site of the Paralympics and they get to choose a sport, what would be better than surfing? 
And adaptive surfing is is just it's growing and growing and growing. We do our here. Here's a fun story from that. So we had a woman named Liv Stone, young girl named Liv Stone. I think she was 15, born with short arms, and we invited her out to a swim clinic or to a surf clinic. She's from Pennsylvania, and I don't know if she's ever been in the ocean before. Right. But Rob Machado, one of the legends of surfing, is at the surf clinic pushing her into the waves. And she comes home and is like, I just love this sport. Goes back to Pennsylvania. I love this sport. We invite her out to be part of Team USA for the upcoming surf comp- uh, world championships because she's in a category. They needed someone from her category. So the, the right before the competition starts, they're like, hey, Liv, I don't know if we told you this, but you know, Rob Machado shoved, shoved you into the waves. For the competition, you got to paddle out on your own. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> so the team ended up winning the world. She goes home. She's 16 years old. And she's like, I need to move to San Diego and become a professional surfer. And dad's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. But she kept doing research and research. And eventually she and mom moved to Carlsbad. Dad and the rest of the family stayed back in Pennsylvania. She's won, the, I think, the last three world championships or two of the last three. And she's got 250,000 followers now on Instagram. And that's one of my favorite things when I see our athletes go beyond athletics and basically build a career for themselves. You know, Hunter, she now is one of the best surfers and best adaptive surfers. Uh, She actually has little hand paddles that help her paddle into the waves. Hunter Woodhall was born missing both legs and he's a double lower leg amputee. uh, And he ended up becoming the first division one track and field athlete to run uh, at our and run uh, division one level with prosthetics. And he, uh, he's a 45 second quarter miler. And he fell in love with this woman, Tara Davis, who's a long jumper. And the two of them have a, their, their um, uh, YouTube show has 750,000 subscribers, right? And they're based down in, in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. They are sponsored by Lululemon. When I went to their wedding, before the wedding started, they told everybody, you can't take photos because People Magazine is covering the wedding. So when you when you get our athletes and they go beyond just being athletes, they use athletics as a platform or as a stepping stone to becoming, to becoming career-oriented and becoming successful in business. Fulfilling their dreams. Exactly. Right. And yeah. becoming role models for that next. Well, and, and one of the other things that, that people and, and, you know, Doug, you certainly understand this. If you're wheelchair bound or if you're an amputee, when you leave the house, you don't blend. Right. The yeah. spotlight is on you. People are staring and you either you either uh, you thrive on it or you shrink from it. Right. You, you have, There's two options. There's no, not really a plan C. You either embrace it or you go you stay at home. Yeah. And I see our kids, for the most part, embracing and understanding that every time I leave the house, I have a chance to make an impact, to, to fill, fill somebody's uh, brain with understanding of what I deal with on a regular basis. And I'm the same as they are. Yeah. One of the moms that we have a, a 25 year old, 25 uh, year Marine um, named Paige Miner back in the DC area, and her little girl Paisley is a double. Uh, above knee amputee from birth. And she's like five or six years old now. And when I met them and and Paige was telling me that she has little Paisley in swimming, gymnastics, track and field, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you name it, every sport that's out there. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of sport for her. She goes, you know, the sports are really good for Paisley, but well, you know what's more important? What's more important that these other little kids are exposed to Paisley when they're four or five and six years old. So they understand that people are different. Yep. And actually little Paisley just wrote a children's book <laughs> <laughs> about being different. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, and again, I, I just thought and parents bring such a different attitude to the table for a lot of this. And it's been great. And the, the cool thing with our Parker bird baseball player is Parker now has a group of young baseball players, a little boy named Cooper in Texas, a little boy named Owen in San Francisco, a little boy named named Bo in uh, Lake Havasu, Arizona, who are all now huge Parker Bird baseball fans, and they want to play baseball. So it's like, how do we adapt the, the glove for somebody who's missing fingers? How do we get somebody cleats when one kid's foot one foot is bigger than the other. Yeah. You know, all that type of all stuff has come that. out of Parker. 
So it's, you know, I, that's what I love. And all of our athletes understand that their obligation is to help the next one. You know, I've, I've gotten to the point, I think over the course of my life, it doesn't, I don't even notice it almost anywhere being that center, you know, when you walk in someplace, right. but, but I, I remember years ago, my, my brother for a while, he played wheelchair basketball and he came down here for a tournament. He lives up North. He came down here for a tournament. After the tournament, we went out to dinner. Yeah. And when you roll into a restaurant with like six, eight guys, wheelchairs, you, you got to get a, you know, a table that fits us all. Everybody in the yeah. restaurant is turning your way. So yeah. Yeah. yeah I saw it. that recently when I was getting, I was flying somewhere and uh, the plane, there was a wheelchair basketball team was on the plane. There's yeah. those, those uh, embark, disembarking. And it was really cool. Cause everybody was like, Oh, what do you got? You know, it was all about, they're wearing their uniform, they're wearing their jackets and they're heading off to a tournament. And, you know, it's cool. Yeah, it's really cool yeah. for people to see well, what's happening out there. And you also kind of set it up, set us up for next week, because that's one of the things, you know, I, I, I'm trying to do with this is with this program is to kind of expose the disabled community to the able body community and mm-hmm. give us a little insight when you, even when you know some, my friends one-on-one, I'm not going to get into all the challenges of my everyday life any more than they are in their right. everyday life, you know, right. but, but there are things that I think we can talk about here that, that, that kind of let people know, what our day-to-day life is like. And, and you talked a little bit about the, the folks that, that are, that are out there. And then there's other people that are shrinking from it and they right. may be isolated. And that's something I've been thinking more and more, more about, uh, more and more and more about. And I, I have a guest on next week. We're going to start to explore that. I don't think it's going to be everything, but at least I, I want to start exploring that and, and kind of how, how do we reach out to those people? How do we get them to come out and, and not be, and not yep. succumb to that isolation. Exactly. You know? That that's the worst part. Yeah, it's a dark place. You, you yeah. need community. You need you you need people around you who understand. Yeah. And there is a great vibrant community, you know, between no yourself, question. CAF and Triumph and so many different people. So definitely want to introduce them to that. So um I'm gonna let you go and I, if you can say hi to Willie. Absolutely. And maybe off uh, before we get rid of you here today, when we get off camera, I, I like to get his contact information because I've kind of lost lost that, sure. and I'd love to I'll have him on right too. Now. He's he's a character. Love it. <laughs> All right. Have a great day. Great week. Hope to see you at Abilities Expo. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We all make promises, big and small, tested over time and distance, tried by circumstances and decisions. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to bear true faith and allegiance. To help you when you're in need. To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. To be considerate and caring, courageous and strong. For better. For worse. In sickness and in health. To love and cherish. To be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor, One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. Welcome back. I'm Forrest Kelly uh, filling in and helping out uh, our your main host, Doug Vincent, to walk and roll live. Um, I really enjoyed that uh, interview with Bob. He he is just so uh, charismatic and energetic. Yep, yep. passionate. He knows how to, how to weave a story, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah, like I said, you know, I think we could have gone on all day. He the amazing thing that I I thought was that he knows every person and he knows their disability. He, he knows. And stats. And double everything. amputee from here. And it's like, he knows there's, yeah. he was there for the surgery. Yeah. That's real. That's real. Right. So, uh, you know, if you enjoyed the episode, tell your friends that we had Bob Babbitt on from CAF. And I think they will enjoy that. Yeah. CAF stands for challenge athletes foundation. Which is huge. And thank you once again for filling in for yeah, our friend Eric. Was, I appreciate it. Oh, it, it's always a joy to, to, to hear about all of these uh, inspirational stories and to uh, just to, 
to schmooze and uh, talk in the green room with you is always fun. Hearing about your life and what you've got going on in your uh, your uh, family that's uh, never a dull moment. We try. <laughs> we try. Yeah. yeah, you know, I know you're busy with your own podcast, the Best 5-Minute Wine Podcast. Wine yep. uh, is yeah. uh, very popular, so uh, is, how's it going? It's going very well. Going to be speaking with a travel um, professional, travelista from uh, Australia. She's going to give us some tips on uh, traveling and uh, how to make that, if you'd like to do that, how to make that happen. I know it doesn't uh, pertain to wine specifically, but uh, a lot of people travel to wineries uh, because they're uh, becoming a weekend, not just a uh, a day or a, a sampling or a, a wine tasting. They're becoming event and uh, weekend stay the kind of thing. So, yeah, it all makes sense. You know, we love to travel and experience new things. And if part of your passion is, in addition to traveling is wine, you know, you, know, you travel to wonderful places that may, you know, pertain particularly to wine, like a Napa Valley. And I'm sure there's many other places like that around the world. You know, it's, oh, it's, yeah. Every, even, uh, my first podcast uh, with the show was from, uh, Alaska and, uh, and a winery in Alaska, believe it or not. Wow. Really? You think of it as more arid, you know, uh, climate. So they have a winery in Alaska. They grow the grapes there too. You'll have to listen to the episode. <laughs> Bear Nicely. Creek Winery in Nicely Homer, done. Alaska. Nicely Homer done. Uh, is home to who? What uh, musical uh, superstar was born in Homer, Alaska? Uh, let's see. It wasn't, it wasn't one Paul. name. One name starts with a J. Doug had a thing for her back in the day. He kind of liked her teeth. Jewel? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Good job on the jewel. Thank you. Thank you. Well. <laughs> well, what of a, let's see. Uh, speaking of live remote type broadcasts, we're going to be at Abilities Expo. And that is coming up on the Los Angeles version is uh, the first one of their season. And that's going to be March 15th through 17th at the LA convention center. We are partnering with live to roll who we've had on this show. We've been on their show a couple of times. And uh, so we're going to be with them on Friday. We can't make it all weekend, but we're going to make it on Friday and do some interviews of the other vendors where we can and participants. So if you happen to be there, come by and say, Hey, and, uh, maybe we'll put you on the air. Yeah, you can you can go to abilities.com and register ahead of time so that when you get there, you just show them your phone with the email and uh, they'll scan that and you'll be on your way inside. They've got, uh, you know, ambassadors that can help you out. Uh, that'll you know, Also, with the website, you can check out the floor plan and say, okay, you know, kind of plan which way you're going to go, weave your way around, and then they've got workshops and activities, all kinds of things for a big three-day weekend. It's it's awesome. If you haven't been before, uh, it's just going to open your eyes to so many things that y- you didn't even know that you needed that kind of thing. So really enjoy. They, got food? They, they have food? got food. Yeah, it's uh, the vendors that are there at the LA Convention Center. They provide the the food. Oh, okay. So it's not. Uh, are, will there be food trucks in the parking lot? I'm trying to. Not, well, the LA it Convention Center is so big. You know. The, the, it's quite a hike from the parking lot, parking lot. So it's not like you can leave the convention floor, go out to get something to eat, and come back. It's like a that'd be an hour trip just to get there yeah. and back. So yeah, so they have stuff on site. I, I want to say I felt like there was one truck last year. Like I can't say one way or the other, but they have the vendors from that are there for all the events at the LA Convention Center, and oh, they're good. right there. Yeah, yeah. With you can tell where my focus is <laughs> <laughs> on the food. <laughs> yeah, if we're going to be podcasting live, I got to be, uh, you know, do some carbo loading. Yeah, got to keep the calorie count up. All right. So other than that, uh, what do I got? Like I say, but we've talked about already. Got to get my blood drawn this week and a few other things. Got some board meetings, that kind of thing. Those are those are always a lot of fun. Yeah. He's on the board, ladies and gentlemen, and not just in a passive role. Active. He's got his own gavel on some of these board meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I try, I try, I try. Well, once again, thank you for uh, spending some time with us. Um, uh, you know, I, I, 
I can't say how much I appreciate it. You know, we're, we're trying to get the word out and, and grow this community. And there's so many great people in it. Um, I, I, there's so many people I follow on Instagram and different places that I'm trying to get to come on the show. And uh, so we're in some conversations with some of them. Uh, I know, uh, I, I, I don't know why I hadn't thought of them, but um, Willie Stewart, who I refer to as one one arm Willie, um, he's amazing. He's was one of the very early um, principles of possibilities over at Loma Linda years ago. That's how I, I met him. Uh, and he's moved off. Uh, he might be in that Idaho area to tell you the truth, but I want to connect with him and get him on. He's he'll be great interview as well. So we'll look forward to that, but thank you again for listening. Thank you to Aguiar professional training for all their support. Anything uh, that you'd like to share with us war live at walk and roll live.com. And wherever you listen, please follow or share whatever they call it. Subscribe. And we would appreciate that very much. I love you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for us for joining us again. And I'm sure it's not going to be the last time. Walk and Roll Live is heard around the world at walkandrolllive.com, Podbean, and Spotify. Like us at facebook.com slash walkandrolllive. You can email us at warlive at walkandrolllive.com with comments, observations, or whatever's on your mind. Whatever's on your mind. Have a topic you'd like to hear or a guest you think would be great for the show? Let us know. Look for new episodes every Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for listening. 